Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I know that the year begins on the 1st of January, but it always feels like in February things begin to get traction because, you know, it's like school goes back and, and all these things start to happen and, and, and go back and you know, I just find that in January, it is a great time and February is a great time to begin to get your priorities right. You know, do you ever do that in January? Like you just think, you know what, I'm, what am I going to be about this year? And, you know, what am I going to do this year? And, and, and how's this thing going to look for me? And I feel like it's a good time to just declutter and maybe get rid of some of the junk that you were carrying. Um, we literally did this yesterday as a family. Uh, we had uh, in, in our garage about, we, we did some renovations recently, and so my car has lived on my nature strip for like the last six months, and so if you uh, drive around our neighborhood right now, it's like every, all the junk that people didn't want anymore to, and to get it out of their house, they have put it on the nature strip, somehow miraculously it is just taken away one day, we put it there, it's just gone, Right? And I'm thinking that this is a really great idea, not just to do with the junk that's in your house, but sometimes the junk that can end up in your life. And, uh, and just begin to think again and, and, and refocus on what you want to do with your life this year. Um, I kind of feel like if we do the right things now, and you get your priorities right now, you get to reap the benefit of that later on. Yeah? If you do the right things now, you get to reap the benefit of that later on. It's pretty simple, actually. It's just it's the principle of sowing and reaping. You sow some seeds now, and then you reap later on. The other thing as well is, is that if you don't like where you are right now, if things aren't going well for you right now, it might have everything to do with the seeds that you were sowing maybe six months ago. But here's the best part about this. It's the beginning of the year. You have an opportunity for a fresh start. And today you can make decisions in your life and you will reap the benefit of those tomorrow. So if you don't like where you are, here's a clue. Start sowing better seeds. Start making some good decisions in your life. You can do that tonight. You can make some good decisions tonight. Walk out of here and enjoy the fruit of those decisions tomorrow. Because how many of you would understand and realize that what we do with our actions right now, it really does affect your life tomorrow, yeah? I try to teach this thing to my kids all the time. In fact, uh, my kids, uh, they've been at home because it's been school holidays, and they started to get, you know, like cabin fever. Like they were slowly going crazy in the house. And so they were, they were actually, <laughs> they're, they're at this stage right now where they're very excited about school. And in Jesus' name, we pray that continues as they become teenagers, right? But they're very excited to go back to school, you know? And so I said, listen, before you go back, it's your last day of holidays. Come on, let's, let's uh, do something. Let's do something fun. Why don't we go out for lunch and, you know, then we'll go see a movie. And my boys were like, yes, that is awesome. Let's, let's, let's do that. Now, when you're a parent, let me teach you something right now. Never give anything away for free. Never, 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 never. So what you do is you have to leverage those things. So I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out, but what, what you need to do to make this happen 
And then you just come up with whatever you want. I want this room to be tidy. You are going to clean up all your Xbox games that you've left everywhere. You're going to, this, everything needs to be tidied up. And by the way, it was 11.30 in the morning and they were still in their jocks because this is all they've done with their lives up to this point. So I'm like, you need to get dressed. You're not going out like that, you know? So I gave them like these list of things to do, right? But not complicated things, like really simple, really easy things, you know, like putting pants on. So, so they have these simple things to do. And I thought, look, anybody can follow this. You really don't need to be a genius to figure out that these are good things to do. And so, you know, I come back maybe 15 minutes later and there's my kids still sitting around in their jocks doing absolutely nothing. And I'm like, guys, what's wrong with you? And they're kind of looking at me. I'm like, do you want to go out or what? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm thinking, I mean, I don't know how to explain this to you another way. If you don't start making good decisions now, we're not going out in the afternoon. They're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm like, guys, Start to do the things that I told you to do now so that we get to do something fun later on. Now you hear this and you think, man, what's wrong with those kids? I know, I think, I feel I'm a parent. I feel like that all the time. But this is the thing. And, and, and here you are, you sit here as, as adults and, 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 and you know, more mature aged people, more mature aged than my kids. And I bet you think, because you're smarter than a fifth grader, that you wouldn't make those mistakes, that you're smarter than my kids, that you would think like if there was the promise of something really good in life, that you would say, well, we would do all the right things to make sure that we get the good things in life and we, we would choose the right path in life. I bet you're thinking that, you know, because you're a little bit older, a little bit smarter, but you know what I've discovered? It's not as easy as it looks. And it's really easy for people to make bad decisions sometimes. And I want to preach a message to you guys tonight called Foundations. Because everything that I'm about to speak about tonight is about getting the foundations of your life right first. How many of you would understand that desire is like a roadmap to your destiny? Desire is a roadmap to your destiny. Recently, a researcher at Duke University they discovered that 40% of the decisions that people make in their lives every day are purely based on their habits. 40%, for those of you that hate math, is nearly half. (laughs) Up to nearly half of the decisions that you make every day are just from the habits that you have either created intentionally, and here's the scary part, or just simply allowed. Believe it or not, it is easy to passively form a habit that you didn't intentionally create. And I started to think about this and I thought, wow, if you were passively creating habits but not aware that they were being, that they were forming at the time, who is driving while you're asleep at the wheel? What is starting to govern and make decisions in your life that could affect up to a huge proportion of your life? You know, I think that as we start to plan and look forwards into our year this year, I don't think that there's anybody that's here tonight that is thinking to themselves as they plan for 2018, I just really feel this year... I just want to end up in financial hardship. 
I would love to find myself in credit card debt. I would love to uh, just really estrange all the people from me. I'm feeling this year I'm going to become reclusive and go into a little bit of isolation and really reject all the friendships that I have. This year, I'm hoping to break trust with the people that I love the most. Come on. I mean, nobody's making those plans. Nobody's intending on doing that. But you know, despite the fact that people aren't planning to do it, I'm telling you, this year it's going to happen. And hopefully not for anybody that comes to Activate Church, but there are people that are not making those plans and they will end up making those decisions at some point this year. I have discovered that even smart people do dumb things. And if you ever find yourself doing dumb things, and I, I'm just going to put my hand up and say, I have done so many dumb things. But it, the more of those things that you do, and the more that you don't listen to the wisdom and the advice and, and follow the right path and do the right things, the more you do that, the more difficult it is for God to move you forwards in life. And this year we thought, let's do a year that would be by God's spirit. And that sounds really good. But actually, the more difficult that you make it for God, it's just you're going to find that the more bad decisions you make, the more difficult it's going to be for him to begin to carry you and move you forwards. The world is full of people that are smart but still make bad decisions with their life. And if you ever feel like you're one of those people, you would consider yourself reasonably smart. But come on, let's be honest. You've made some bad decisions. You would not be the only ones. In fact, if you start to look at the Old Testament, there is a history of people that are actually quite smart, but for whatever reason, they continue to make bad decisions. I just recently, I was reading the book of um, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, it's in the Old Testament, and I read both of those books, and it is like the A to Z of human beings that were alive from the beginning of time and it was written right up until like that until that moment you know so from the beginning of time up until that moment it records the history of them it literally starts with adam you know the first man that was created and it ends with a king called zedekiah it is the a to z of of people and it you as you start to read this thing you start to trace the, the, the decision tree that people have made. You start to trace what humanity has done. I want to read this to you. It comes out of Second Chronicles. This is the very end of Second Chronicles. Zedekiah, it says this in verse 11. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah, who was a prophet who was coming to him that was saying to him, hey, you've got to change the way that you're living, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers and the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abomination of the nations. So if you're new, that basically means that they were worshipping idols and false gods and so forth. It says, And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them 
his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people and there was no remedy. When I look at that, I see people that consistently persisted in going the opposite direction to what God had told them. And eventually, at the point where this was written, after this moment, they had taken off into captivity because eventually they walked so far and they said, we don't want anything to do with you. He just abandoned them to the decisions that they had eventually made. And if you are, have ever experienced this, where you start to make decisions and walk in, away from God and, and start to go down a path that you probably shouldn't go, this really becomes like an enemy to God moving in your life. And it's not like he can't. You just make it more difficult if you continually, persistently, intentionally keep walking away from God, choosing a path that you know is not the right one for your life. It's literally like an enemy in your life. Only no one else is doing this to you. It's something that you're doing to yourself. And really, the, the, the main issue with this kind of living is that it's like this independent, I don't want to listen to what you say. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to make my own decisions. This enemy, this thing that sometimes gets inside of people, we call it pride. And this would be the exact opposite of by his spirit, because really by his spirit means that we're going to do everything in his strength, with his abilities, according to his power, with, with his leading. And if you start to live like what we're reading here, you say, I'm going to do what I want my way. It's my way. And, and I'm not listening to God. Two very different paths. One is easy for God to move in your life. The other one kind of makes it a little bit more difficult. But I want to say this. The more you take that independent path, the more you go out on your own and go your own way, you will eventually end up in a crisis. And this is what I've learned about some people. Some people will only ever respond to crisis. That's what it takes for them to change their lives. And I'm not talking about people that don't know God. I'm talking about people that actually know God. You know, like when something bad happens and they say, oh God, I made a bad decision. And so they come back, forgive me, please fix all the mistakes that I've made. And God starts to work in your life and you start to get things back, but things become easy again. And when things become easy, sometimes it's easy to drift back into old habits until you reach a crisis point. And when you reach a crisis, you think, oh, it happened again. Oh, God, I'm so sorry I drifted. See, sometimes it takes a crisis for some people to realize they don't actually have a relationship with God or that they had drifted so far and they didn't realize, you know why? Everything was going good. Here's my encouragement to you. Please don't wait for a crisis to respond to God. Don't wait till you reach the end of that road and you hit a place where you can go no further before you stop, turn around, and walk back and go 
back towards God. I bet that if I was to sit down with you and we were to talk about the kind of paths that you take in life, and I could show you that at the end of the path that you were on, that it ended up in crisis, I bet you're thinking, well, if I knew it was going to end in crisis, I just wouldn't go that way. I'm smarter than your kids, Ben. If I knew that this was a bad direction to go, I would make the decision to turn around and go back the other way. But there is something inside of you. There is something inside of the very first man that was created, Adam. There is something that was in that last king we just read about, Zedekiah. Between those two points, there was a man born named Solomon. He carries the title for the smartest and wisest man that ever lived. And the same thing that was in Adam and Zedekiah was in him, and it's also in you. And it's making decisions for you that you may not necessarily want for your life. Isn't that kind of a scary thought? Let me, let me read this passage to you. This comes out of Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. It says this, the heart, everybody say the heart. Everybody say the heart. I've got 70% of you. Everybody say the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. How many things? Above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind And here's what could be really frightening. Listen in. To give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. This is just the principle of sowing and reaping. That's all that is. He says, I give to every man according to his ways. So when you do things, you have to live with some of the decisions that you've made. Don't get me wrong, there's always forgiveness for the mistakes that you've made, absolutely. But sometimes you still have to live with the consequences of the bad decisions that you've made. And sometimes the good as well, but here's what he says. He says, I will give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The thing that's inside of you, that was inside of all of those people, Adam, Solomon, Zedekiah, and you is your heart. This is the thing that we all have in common. And I hate to break it to you, but your heart is a liar. Yeah. It is a liar. Your heart will lie to you. When it does, it will always justify what it really wants, which is why it's so hard to detect the lie. Because the moment it desires something, immediately into your mind, it justifies the desire that it has. And so to you, when your heart lies to you, it sounds like wisdom. It sounds like logic. It makes sense to you. Of course it makes sense to you. It's trying to find a way to get you to do what it wants to do in the first place. 
Man, this is how people end up in debt and spending money that they don't have. Because really what it does is it says, no, you really need that. Do you? You know when, by the way, if you've just bought a new car, I'm not pointing you out, you're allowed to buy a new car. But oftentimes, someone just bought a car over there. But often, if you've ever met somebody that bought a brand new, top of the range, top of the model car, and they had one that was less than five years old, and you say to them, right, hey, how come you got a new car? And they say, well, you know, this one had better fuel consumption. You get a few more miles out of it. So I really, you know, I'm trying to save a buck. So I thought better fuel consumption. Are you kidding me? You just bought a brand new car to save what? And it's because one had less liters per hundred kilometers? Like, and you think you're saving money? So when you do that, if you bought a car, please, no judgment, okay? But, but here's my point. People will find a way to justify anything when it's what they really want. You see, seated on the throne of your heart is your greatest desire, if you made a decision to get to the gym and you want to get fit, but you keep hitting the snooze button in the morning, you know what you really want? Sleep. And this is what I've learned about getting up and going to the gym. Never negotiate with your body in the morning. Because every time I've, I've set my alarm at night and promised myself I will get up early, when it goes off, my heart will just lie to me. You need to sleep. You need to prepare for a big day. You didn't sleep well last night. You need to get ready. The kids kept you up. They kept you awake. You know, have another sleep. You deserve this. <laughs> it's true. Your heart will lie to you. Oh, you say you're going to try a diet? What you really want is cookies. <laughs> so you're like, you thought this is your year. It's February. You're already off the wagon because you love donuts. So what's why? Because this is really hard to understand, is it, tonight? Like, there's nothing confusing about this. It's just that you're really just going after what you really want, right? And here's the crazy thing about your heart. You can't outsmart it. Do you know why? It knows what you know. It has all the information that you have. And it uses that to control what you do. This is honestly sounds like a B-grade horror film. It knows what you know. It controls what you do. It is your heart. Yeah? Feels like a B-grade horror film, you know? And all it is, is just your heart. And you have to be so aware of what your heart will try to justify to you. Did you know seated on your heart right now is the object of your affection? It's what you care about the, the most. And whatever is on your heart, if you're trying to work backwards and figure out what's on your heart, whatever is seated on the throne of your heart, it's that that wins every single time. Now, this isn't a bad thing. It's just a principle. Whatever's on your heart is going to win every time. It's the thing you care about the most. And I'm talking about the heart because it's February, it's early in the year, and this thing is foundational to making your decisions this year. It is like the control room of your heart, and you need to be so careful about what your heart says to you. And I'll show you why, I'll show you how. The very first people on planet Earth 
Adam and Eve. Hands up if you know the story. Okay. Adam and Eve, they're, they're, they're put on planet Earth, and they are given the list of simplest instructions. Even my kids are going to remember all of those rules. Eat anything you want from anywhere. Just don't eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. We're going to call that tree the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat anything you want, but don't eat a piece of fruit from that one tree. And despite the fact that they knew in their mind that they shouldn't eat it, at the end of the day, they did. And you know why? It's not hard to figure out. They just really wanted to. That's why they ate it. They just really wanted it. They heard what it might give them, and they thought, we really want that more than our relationship with God. So they chose it over him. People do this all the time. If you look back at the nation of Israel, they did this all the time, consistently. They chose to disobey God and to walk in the opposite direction. You know why? They really wanted to. And because they really wanted to, that's what they did. King Solomon the smartest and wisest man that ever lived was given some pretty simple rules. One of them was, please don't marry women from foreign nations because eventually they'll convince you that you should lay down your relationship with God and you should go after false idols. So just don't do that, don't do that thing. Mind you, the guy had like a thousand wives, but forget it. He's like, I just need one more, you know? So, so anyway, what does he do? Smartest guy ever. And you know what? He still made bad decisions. And if you think... It happened to Adam. It happened to the nation of Israel. All the, a, a lot of the kings, especially even the wisest king, but it won't happen to me. I don't think you fully appreciate the power that your heart has over the decisions that you're making. Because you know what I think? I think you can know the right thing to do and still choose a crisis. I'm not judging anyone here tonight. I really am not. So if you smoke, that's your deal. That's between you and God. Honestly, I really mean that. But literally, when somebody chooses to take up smoking, they even have a picture on the cigarette packet so that you know what's going to happen to your lungs should you decide to take up that habit. And if you read, it's got a few words, smoking kills. Now, everybody that's decided to start smoking understands where that path is going. And yet, people continue to smoke. People continue to start smoking, even though they know where it's going to end. This is how people have affairs. Because at the end of the day, they know it's going to end up in crisis. They know it's going to break down their relationship with their spouse. They know that it's going to be horrific and it's going to be a messy. It's going to be really difficult, right? But people will still have affairs. Why? Because even though they know what the right thing to do is, they choose to go after what? What they really want. Do you see the power that your heart has over the decisions that you make. I know that even as I say this, you go, you're right, this literally seems insane that people would consistently choose the wrong path knowing it ends in crisis. And yet, we live in a world where we see this happen consistently all the time. Moses, who was a great leader in Israel, before he died, he read out to the people of Israel, he gave this amazing speech, amazing speech in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And he says to them, I'm going to give you guys the nation before I die. 
let, let me tell you a couple ways you can go in life. He says this in chapter 30, verse 15. See, I've said before you today, life and good, death and evil. All right. Life and good, death and evil. Now, this is not a trick question. What do you choose? Life. That's, see, genius right down here. <laughs> life and death, good and evil. I mean, li- li- life and death. <laughs> Blessings and life and good. Or do you want to choose death and, and, and evil? Like, which one would you choose? You would choose life, right? I mean, that makes sense. And yet we know what they actually did. He, he goes on to say, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply uh, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. That's all really good things. Ah, but, but if your heart turns away, And you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. That's bad. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. They had it in black and white. They knew exactly what would happen if they went the wrong direction. And they chose the wrong direction consistently, intentionally. I'm saying to you that if you want God to move in your life this year, you can make it easy by putting God first. By giving him a seat at the table. Have you ever seen that game, Musical Chairs? Okay, so for everybody else that hasn't seen it and doesn't know how it works, they have a whole heap of chairs and an equal amount of people. They play music. When the music stops, or they take away your chair while the music's playing. When the music stops, there are less chairs than there are people, and they have to fight over who's going to be the one that gets left out. A lot of fun, but here's where it ends. This is the end of this part. There ends up only being one seat, and there ends up being two people. And they have to fight over who gets the seat. Please learn this. Never make Jesus compete for your seat. Don't make him compete for what's in here. Don't even let it be close. Don't let him compete for your seat because you know what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24? No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Let me ask you a question. How many people can serve two masters? How many people can serve two masters? No, no one. No one can do it. So you can't have two equally competing priorities in your life because what this is saying is that eventually one of them is going to win. And whatever it is that wins, this is what you need to know. Whatever you serve, that's becoming your master. Whatever whatever has the attention of your heart and your focus, that has become your master. And we have a word for that. We call it an idol. An idol is very simple. It's just the object 
of your affection. And if you want God to move in your life this year, you need to get whatever is in your heart. You need to get it out and put Jesus back in the seat and make him the priority and make him number one because you can't have two masters. It's got to be one. It's got to be clear. I know that even as I say this, some of you might be thinking because you're very practical and very logical, you're saying, idol worship. I don't have any idols. Not me. Maybe some of the other people here have got them, but I don't have them. Some of you are literally, you're picturing this right now. This is what idol worship looks like, right? It's like, I don't do this. It's weird. Like you, you will never come around to my house and I'm like, just finish in a minute. Sorry, I'm just, I'm busy in here. I'm just worshiping my idol. This actually isn't what idol worship looks like. Do you know what idol worship really looks like? It's a lack of conviction in your life to stand up for the things that you know is right. Eventually, you'll bow down to whatever the desire is in your heart. And it's amazing to me how so many people can know what's right and still choose to bow down to what's wrong because they don't carry a clear conviction because God is not number one in their life. And in the moments where you feel most pressed, the truth is going to come out. And it has to be clear to you and it has to be clear to everyone, including God, that he's number one in your life. See, this is what Jesus is really getting at. He's saying, you won't be able to serve two. You'll eventually choose one. You got to make sure that it's him. Here's the good news for you. You get to choose who you worship. It's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I mean, you worship is okay. By the way, you've been designed and created by God for worship, but you get to make a choice about what you worship. And when you make a decision to worship Jesus and worship God, it is like you are literally showing him to the seat of your heart and saying, I'm choosing to make you number one in my life. When you sing these words, if you're just caught up in everything else that's going on in your world, that's not worship. It's when you say, God, I worship you. You're on the seat of my heart. I want you. It's you above everything else. You are nothing else. Everything is a distant second to you, Jesus. When you begin to worship like that, that's how you know that he's in the seat of your heart. The right seat. See, worship. Worship will put him there. And I tell you this because I don't know if you understand how much your future has to do with what sits enthroned on your heart. I don't know if you know. But I want you to be aware. Because this thing has so much to do with where you end up in life. So much to do with where you end up this year. And it won't be because you didn't know the right things. I've met so many people, Christian, God-fearing, God-loving people that knew the right things, but they didn't carry it in their heart. Because it was here in their mind, and it wasn't here in their heart. When push came to shove, they compromised on what they really believed, and it became clear what they truly valued. This is so important for you, for your life, for your future. If you want God to move in your life this year, you've got you to get your heart right. This is absolutely foundational. You know, our church team recently, we went 
uh, to the movies and we had booked out an entire row um, at, at the movies and so we were a little bit late and some people decided that they were going to sit in the middle of our row but they didn't realize that we'd booked the entire thing so we knew that no one was allowed to be there so when we walked in and we were late and they were sitting there we started to move in and we said hey guys you're sitting uh, in our seats and they said no these are our seats and we said no they're not this is really a bad argument because we have tickets that tell us they're not your seats. One of our team was kind enough to actually help them find their seats. You know where their seats were, right? They were in the front row, right at the edge on the front row. I know why they were trying to be in our seats, but we moved them out because they didn't belong there. Hey, what do you got to kick out of the seat that's trying to be enthroned in your heart so that this year, 2018, might actually be a year where you start to see God move in your life? What would you need to begin to declutter that's accumulated in your life? Some of the things that are there are intentional, but some of these things have formed passively. The stuff has begun to get into your life. What do you need to kick out so God can move in? I feel like Jesus made it so easy for us. Matthew 6, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you need will be added to you. Do you know what I've discovered? So often the things we think we need occupy the space in our hearts and we go after that because we think we need it. Jesus says, don't ever do that. He says, choose me, make me number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the stuff you really need, not all the stuff you want, but the stuff you actually need will be added unto you. And that's the way you get both, but you still only seek one. And it's Him above all else. Jesus, make Him first in your life. Put Jesus in the seat of your heart. Give him full control. And please don't wait for a crisis to cultivate a prayer life or a genuine and authentic relationship with God. If your life is going well right now, I'm so thrilled for you. So get out in front of this thing and don't wait till something bad happens before you get real with Jesus. Make sure that today he's number one. Won't you stand to your feet up? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.